and oftentimes clumsy coaching search by the Portland Trailblazers reached a resolution with the hiring of Chauncey Billups. He was introduced on Tuesday, but are the fans happy? We will dive into that and much more on the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress, along with Joe Freeman, who, as you know, covered the Blazers for a long, long time before mischievously allowing me to take over the beat so that I could deal with these types of messes. And I know he's been gleefully at home. You can see he's been sitting at home with, ha Fentress, my revenge for whatever in the past. But anyway, moving along. Wow, what a crazy three weeks. We had the, the Stoss dismissal, mutual parting, whatever. We had the controversy over Kid and Billups being uh, named by Lillard. Then we had the process. Becky Hammond was in there. Were they going to hire a woman? Were they not? Were they going to go with Mike D'Antoni? Were they going to maintain hiring Billups, who has this 1997 allegation hanging over his head for, being, for participating in a rape a long time ago as a rookie in Boston? And in the end, Lillard was pissed off because he was being dragged in to the whole vitriol surrounding Billups and blamed in some ways. And he reportedly was saying he wants out or not wants out, but he might want out because of some of the controversy. It was just a head spinning three weeks, but it all came to an end sort of on Tuesday with the introduce, introduction of Billups. So let's just dive right into the press conference itself, Joe. I was there. You were home chilling with your kids, you lucky dog. Um, it, it, was, it was an interesting pro, uh, press conference to say the least. I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding it because of some questions that went unanswered. Also, it was really short. It ended in 30 minutes. I had a lot. I had 24 questions. I had a bunch of basketball questions <laughs> I was going to get to. I never got to. And here's another thing, too. I'll just preface this for some of the people watching so they understand. Usually in press conferences, you get a mic, you hold it, you ask the question, and then you can immediately ask a follow because there's usually going to be a follow. Well, the way they did it, they brought the mic to you. You weren't, weren't allowed to touch it because of COVID protocols. And then as soon as you asked your initial question, they pulled the mic away. So you couldn't ask a follow-up. So then you had to sit there and wait for it to come back around to you. And I got two questions in. And then shortly after that, it was done. We all know, we all, most people saw that they uh, shot down a question asked by Jason Quick of Chauncey Billups to elaborate on how the allegations sort of shaped his life from that point on. So as someone who I know watched it at home, what were your and – and who has covered – a thousand times more press conferences than I have, especially given the fact this was my first live in-person pro, uh, pot, or not podcast press conference with them because th- this was their first one in 15 months since mm-hmm. the COVID-19 pandemic started in March of 2020. So what did you make of the entire situation? Well, it was a disaster. It, was, <laughs> it could not, it would have been hard for it to go any worse. It was a master class in how not to handle PR. <laughs> uh, it was... <laughs> It was too short. Uh, look, if you're going to be coming out uh, under controversy to tout a coach that you're presumably very excited about hiring, someone that you're, uh, you think is going to be the face of the franchise moving forward, that is going to help, help uh, you know, pacify your all-star and, and, and turn this franchise uh, into a, a deep playoff team – you need to let it ride more. You need to get out there. You need to let him speak. You need to let the questions be asked, no matter what the questions are, so that everybody can move past it. If if you've done, and 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 I know we'll get into some of this later, but you know the the Blazers say that they did a, a thorough independent investigation, which which I believe they did. I don't think Neil, despite saying it's proprietary and trust me and all that, despite all that, I. I believe that they really did do their due diligence and, and they believe in the findings. Well, let that stand for itself. Let him speak. Let everybody ask their questions. 
Um, the wildest part about what happened with with them cutting off Jason and all that is that the Blazers were right there. They were this <laughs> close to moving past the controversy to to having a positive momentum pushing forward moment. Chauncey opened his mouth. He was prepared to answer the question when the signal or the cutoff or whatever it was <laughs> happened. But but the worst part is that he could have explained himself. He could have added context and nuance and perspective. He could have humanized himself, but instead he was interrupted and now he was cut off. That That's all that anyone is talking about. And so exactly. that issue still hangs overhead. No one has has been able to kind of move forward from that. And instead of talking about, hey, this guy's going to help the Blazers in, in, in XYZ and he's going to help Damian Lillard with ABC, now we're still talking about this. And, yeah. you know, I don't think either of us want to or intend to make light of, of the allegations or the situation. Um, but, you know, we're here to talk about basketball. And, and we can't talk about basketball because of how poorly – this was handled yesterday. Right. And, you know, I went into this thing prepared for a situation where prepared for battle, battle, but like the, the elephant in the room had to be addressed. Right. And you're, you know, there are some people out there who are like, people better ask tough questions. And some of the tough questions that people wanted asked were like almost trying to litigate the case. That was not going to happen. None of us are in position to litigate the case. Chauncey Billups would be an idiot to sit there and litigate the case. He has maintained his innocence. That's it from his level. He's not going to sit there and argue about, you know, uh, time, you know, what happened at this time and that time, who said what, like, that's just ridiculous. And I think some people wanted that. So I was, I was going in though with a list, I had a list of 24 questions. I had them shut sectioned off, you know, the case, his career, basketball, Neil's version of why they're hiring him, like Lillard, it's just all sectioned off. So when they came out and they at least addressed it themselves and said, we've done our own homework on him, we think his story checks out, and we believe that nothing happened with him that was consent or non-consensual, then that sort of erased a lot of my questions that I couldn't necessarily go to because – they had addressed it. So then, though, what you're hoping is, okay, so we're still now, – now we need to get, like you said, the humanizing of Chauncey Billups, presenting him as a person and not in what's in a lot of people's minds as an accused rapist, right? And so he did a good job in his initial statement of talking about how that whole incident shaped him. And you know, mm-hmm. was talking about he was with his future wife, Piper, was his girlfriend at the time. And it, it shaped him in terms of who he hangs out with, where he goes, what kind of things, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that was very good. Mm-hmm. But then Jason asked an extremely innocent, legitimate, Jason Quick, follow-up question. Which Open-ended, is like, please explain do, more. Yes. Add, yes. Right. And it, it wasn't, now say, had it been a contentious situation and one of us came back, well, but according to the police report, you said, like, then I could see where they'd be like, drink water, send signals, shut it down, right? That would make sense. But this was, like you said, a chance for Billups to talk more about him as a person, as a man, as a father, who he is, to offer more evidence for those who have doubts that maybe either A, he didn't do it, or B, if there was some involvement, he's a completely changed human being, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which wouldn't pacify a lot of people, but still it's something. And they just shut it down. 
they shut that part down. And I looked at Jason like, what the hell? So then I started looking at my questions. I'm like, which ones are my questions? Am you're, I going to get like, checked out as well? Off, like what? Cross off, cross it, it was off. just, it was, it was a bizarre flex on in that situation. Now, th- to me, the best thing to do, if you really just want to say, okay, because we're, we're not going to talk about anything related to 97 anymore, is to say that and say, can all be- questions from here on out at least be basketball related? Uh, they didn't do that. Jason's uh, question got, shot down and went back around a few more questions. And then they're like, we're going to wrap it up. I looked at my, like, watch them, like, wrap it up. Like, what are you talking about? So yeah, it was, it, it, they started out looking like they might finish the day with a B plus and ended the day barely passing. I don't think it was an F because there was some good moments, uh, but it, it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Again, you've got everything. The table's been set for you to air everything out there, you know, you know, discuss the elephants in the room, allow him to, to, you know, express himself in whatever manner he wants. You state that we have done our due diligence. We've done an independent investigation. We've talked to all his former employers. Everything is set for you to do that, to address it, to move on, but you can't get out of your own way. And now here we are still talking about it. It's, it was almost like a, a golden opportunity squandered. And, you know, with everything else going on with the franchise, it's like, this is just one of a list of things. And obviously it's one of, one of the biggest, but you know, maybe the biggest is, is your franchise cornerstone, Damian Lillard and how he was thrust into the search, uh, the coaching search and how I wouldn't say he was thrown under the bus, but he was put out there in a way that, that normally doesn't happen. His legacy was was momentarily impacted, uh, you know, and, and I guess with the reports of how he feels and, and what we know about he feels, you know, where I guess I just wonder where is he at with all this? Where is his happiness and, and how does he feel about the coaching search and, and things moving forward? Because I think I think it's he's pretty unsettled right now, I guess. Yeah, and uh, it would be nice if, you know, there would be a press conference with Lillard or Lillard would have been there. McCullough and Covington were there, but they were not made available. Um, when O'Shea and the team parted ways on June 4th, um, June 5th, he put he put out, and this was one of Lillard's first mistakes, was he put out Kidd and Billups. And when he put them out, either no one told him or he had no clue, he claims he had no clue, that those two had baggage. I think if someone had said to him, hey, man, you know, Jason Kidd was this, this, and this, he might have been like, okay, well, I'm not going to put that out there. Um, but at the same time, if you're, J- if, you're, if you're Dame, and he said this in his tweet, he was a little kid when those things came out. So I could, I could conceive where he didn't know about it. And Kidd, has, Kidd went on to win a championship. He, Damian Lillard watched Jason Kidd play NBA basketball and win a championship. He watched Billups play NBA basketball and win a championship. He watched Kidd coach the Nets and coach Milwaukee. He watched Billups get offered a job from Cleveland and now he's coaching the Clippers and he was on ESPN. So there's no reason. I, I can totally believe there's no reason for Damian Lillard to think that those two wouldn't be able to coach in Portland. But once the controversy started, he knew and Billups still remained a prime candidate throughout the entire process. So anyone out there who was angry about that was going to eventually steer that anger toward Lillard. The problem is, is that during that entire two-week period with the, the interviews and then the second interviews and then the leaks, is that the Blazers at the end had decided that they believed Billups, that nothing happened. <clears throat> and they did that by Thursday, Friday, 
but then there wasn't a press conference till Tuesday. Now, O'Shea said, though, well, there was logistical issues because Billups is coaching with the Clippers. The Clippers played Monday night. They're playing tonight. So there was some window situations there. But Lillard was left dangling out there for like three days, you know, with being associated with them maybe hiring an accused rapist. right? And that's just an awkward position to be in. But I suspect that at the time, Lillard believed Billups. So it was almost like Lillard should just never said anything and not responded to anything at all and waited for the process to play out as opposed to defending himself and then going to Yahoo. And yes, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would assume that he was one of the sources in the Yahoo story saying he's unhappy about the process. Um, so it just, it just went off the rails at that point. Uh, and I just was like, I cannot believe this is happening from his standpoint, from the team standpoint, from Billups' standpoint. It was just a mess. Yeah, it was uh, – it seems like Dame wanted to interject himself uh, to kind of make it be known who he wanted to to stress his importance uh, to kind right. of flex where he's at a little bit. Exactly. And I think it just it – just, it, it was the timing of it, the manner by which he did it. It just, it just didn't go well. It was just poorly executed. Um, and that's really on Dame's reps. Like you, you have to have people helping you out along the way um, to guide you through these type of situations. And um, no question it could have been handled better. I have been told by multiple people, uh, both still involved and both come, going out the door, uh, that Damien did not know about either background of either player uh, and or accusations slash convict you know guilty now my response to that was i didn't know about the stuff related to chauncey either so i get that and i'm much older than dame so i wasn't seven or eight at the time but uh but i mean the stuff on kid has been widely reported i mean right and that's he's i mean he pled guilty so that's a whole different issue um, but and I do believe these sources. I do believe that Dame didn't know. No, I, about I, the believe, he, I believe he didn't know as of June 5th. But as yeah. of June 5th, he did know. The problem was then it comes out and then he's linked to that because fans don't care. They, they assume that he's awful or what, you know, fans, uh, right. I should say a certain segment of fans are going to believe what they're going to believe. And so that plays out the, the way it plays out. But, you know, I, I have been told, you know, through the course of this, that people on the staff knew that Chauncey was Neil Olshay's guy for a year, that that he had already targeted him internally, you know, maybe his own internally, and identified him as a guy that he wanted to replace Terry should that uh, situation arise. Anybody who has been around Neil over the years knows how much or how highly he thinks of Chauncey um, from his time, you know, in the front office and the, with the Clippers. And so uh, that wasn't a surprise, but to have this, you know, we're going to have a 20 person committee and, and search and all that stuff. Like you have to do all that and maybe someone else arise and you change your mind, but you can't leave your, your guy out there, your star hanging out there to dry. It was just mismanaged from many perspectives. Um, and, and then again, there is this tendency in our society to leap to go to the worst or to just, you know, you're guilty until proven innocent and all the other cliches you can throw out there. Right. But whatever the circumstances, the timing of it all and stuff, it, it didn't serve Dame well. It didn't serve the franchise well. The three days or more of silence uh, just was awful. It allowed fans' worst feelings about the situation to fester and them to harden their stance. And my whole thing is when we were talking – uh, not you and I, but with bosses and so on about how we approach this uh, story. I was always like, 
I want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. I want to hear what Chauncey has to say. I want to hear what the Blazers have to say. Because um, presumably, as we heard yesterday, they did do their background and they did have a stance on it all. And so I just think in the in the end, Dame was kind of caught in the crosshairs uh, of the whole process, which was which was clumsy and, and just mismanaged. Uh, you know, I think he's angry about how the search played out. I think he's angry about how he was injected into the conversation, some of which was his doing, but a lot of it was was out of his control. He's angry, angry that, you know, his kind of uh, reputation has been tarnished a little bit, and I think that will all wash over. He has universally been a good human being and a good person and a good leader and a good teammate and go on and so on and so forth. So, you know, one misstep doesn't you know, tarnish everything. But he's also angry about the season, how it played out. Yeah. And, and I think he wants to see Neil do something to make this roster better, to, to, to give him belief that next season is going to be different and going to be better. And so, you know, from Neil's perspective, this is step one, hiring his guy as coach. Now he's got to do, do something with, with the roster. And, um, but – for right now, we're talking about the coach, and and you know, I guess there's a lot to be known about what what Chauncey brings as a coach. You know, we don't we don't know. He's never been a head coach. <laughs> Before we move on to that, I do want to ask you this though: Do you think the segment of the fan base that believes he participated in this in this, in this rape, who believes he's a bad guy, are they ever going to come around? Do you think they can ever be convinced that maybe he didn't participate? Maybe. He is innocent, or do you think that they're just gone for good? Oh, yes. Of course, fans will leave and come back and so on and so forth. There were fans right. who were tied to the Jailblazers era who said they would never be fans again, and I'm sure they've they've come back, <laughs> some of them. Now, some won't. Uh, some will get get out of it. You know, they'll, you're in your routine, right? You love the team. You follow them every day. Something angers you. You move on, and then it leaves your routine, and then you go on to other things, and you don't come back. Or if, if you truly believe, despite not knowing him or the people involved in the accusations and all that, if you truly believe he's he's guilty of what he's been charged of, then no, maybe maybe you won't come back. Um, but, you know, I don't know Chauncey. I, I don't know what happened. I do know that over the course of his 17-year playing career and his X amount of years afterwards as a, as a commentator and a coach and front ops and all that stuff, he has, especially as a player, he earns – widespread acclaim for his leadership for his for his uh his personality his 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 being a good teammate he literally won awards that Damian Lillard has won for being a good um teammate you know the the award that Lillard just won you know he he's he's won stuff like that right. um citizenship awards so on and so forth so until we learned of, of this allegation 20 whatever years ago and and became so so invested in in him and that and his character has never been under question otherwise and so if he displays himself i guess the point i'm getting at is if, if he presents himself in a manner that he has over the last 20 years then i believe fans will come back assuming the team has success because let's be real uh, basketball fans that's what they care most about uh how the team represents itself the success of the team um wins and losses and and right now playoff success i will say you know the whole backtracking a little bit the whole neil uh trust us you know it's proprietary but you have to believe in me and, and it's a big ask under these circumstances <laughs> but 
for nine years, despite what you think about Neil, despite uh, how you view how he carries himself, the caliber of person and caliber of player and the caliber of that player's character that he has brought into this franchise over the last decade point. has overwhelmingly been positive, has been good. I mean, I have been knee-deep in the weeds of this team throughout his tenure until this last year. And universally, it's not 100%, but he's batting like 95%, you know, 95% right right now on good people in the organization, representing the organization well. And, and for many years in Portland, that was not the case. So he does deserve a little bit of, uh, you know, the benefit of benefit. the doubt. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. I mean, he, he, it's not like he has a history of bringing in bad people. Right. <clears throat> um, he's known. It's not like he's like Chauncey's just some random person he picked out. Like you said, you've known people who say that Chauncey was his targeted next coach for over a year. He worked with him or coached or actually brought him into the Clippers when he was the GM there. So there is a history there. He does know him very well. So, you know, I, I, I mean, that would indicate that Chauncey is a great dude. It doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't. Didn't have. Involved. Yeah. 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 I mean, but still, if, if you, if, you know, we're, we're never, we're never going to know. People can pick, you know, there's two different sides of this and everyone's going to take their side and they, they're, they're fighting each other. Neither side knows for sure. Unless you were there, you don't know. And it's 24 years ago. And if he's been an exemplary citizen since then, the question is, do you just say, okay, we don't know. It was a long time ago. Let's judge him on the last 20 years and move forward. I think, I think a lot of people who are maybe fiery right now might shift to that, but I think it would have been an easier push for them to justify had he been allowed to talk more, you know, elaborate on certain things like Jason's uh, question. You know, someone texted me during the press conference. They're like, there's some people upset because neither one of them has said anything about addressing just the issue of violence against women, right? That, you know, they're not saying, okay, we think he's innocent. We want everyone to understand that that's a serious issue to us. It does mean something to us. Chauncey say that too. Um, so that at least, okay, they're acknowledging that they're cognizant of the fact that there is a problem with violence and sexual assaults against women and that many of them go either unreported or they're under-investigated. They don't lead to convictions or prosecutions for a myriad of reasons. They didn't even get a chance to do that, which I think would have helped some people. So there's still some messiness with this. Um, so interesting to see how it plays out. And I'm, you're going to have fun covering it because I'm going to take over – the uh, Frisbee golf beat. I saw a sweet Frisbee golf video, and I think I'm going to lobby for that. You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Push all that aside, because whether you wanted Chauncey or didn't want Chauncey, he's here. Five-year deal. Four years guaranteed. O'Shea wanted him. Dame wanted him. You know, with mutual or not, it seriously was a legitimately a nudge to get rid of Stotts, obviously, for different reasons. One of the things they talked about during the season, obviously, defense. They wanted to make upgrades in defense. Two, accountability. Um, three, uh, creating a sense of urgency, both on defense and just in, in discipline and attention to details, which guys like Covington and Powell talked about during the season that they, that they themselves embrace and experience at other places that weren't always here. So what do you think a hire like this 
does to address these issues, given that even though he hasn't really coached, the bulk of his career, the main heart of his career was as the as a point guard, which Dame is, on a championship team, which Dame wants to be on, playing for a defensive-minded coach in Larry Brown. And that team was built on defense with Rashid and Prince and Ben Wallace, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think Chauncey brings to this team as a coach? Well, first and foremost, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> next topic. Uh, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll carry <laughs> on. But it's like there is a bit of irony in that you 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 tout the you want to bring in a certain <clears throat> mentality and and you know accountability and personality and all that and and you bring in someone who has no experience. It's <laughs> it's a very interesting move, but. I think it speaks to how highly Neil thinks of, of Chauncey and, and how much he believes in him. And a four-year contract is, speaks volumes to that because with, with Terry never had a four-year contract. Yeah. And so, like, that that's pretty uh, that's a pretty emphatic statement that the franchise believes in him and, and they think he's going to take it to good places. Um, I will say this. It seems like players seem to love him. Uh, you you <clears throat> saw the response. I think – Nicholas Batum came out in yesterday on Twitter and, and congratulated Chauncey. And, and obviously he plays for the Clippers under Chauncey as, as an assistant there right now uh, and said that Rip City was getting a, a good leader and a good, you know, a person or a good coach and all that. And, and so it's clear that he connects with the players. And, and I think the points that you hit on uh, he's an NBA champion point guard and uh he was always known as as a as a gifted leader and a good locker room guy and a motivator, <clears throat> and those are traits that that tend to carry on to whatever endeavor you do in life. So he'll bring that. Um, usually, point guards uh, X's and O's, you know, their strategy and all that. It use, usually is pretty high level. So uh, we shall see. But uh, massaging egos, managing playing time, you know, setting up. Uh, foundation for the for the franchise in terms of when to practice when not to practice when to shoot around uh what to work on what to focus on like he's never done that so there will be a learning curve and i I believe it is a thousand percent imperative that he surrounds himself with an experienced uh staff behind him that that features guys with head coaching experience uh and this was brought up in the in the news conference yesterday and, and i do believe he will do that. I, I believe he, he said he plans on, and I, I think that is important for him to do. As a, you mean, look at Steve Nash in Brooklyn, um, your championship pick. Um, he, even Steve Nash surrounded himself with experienced assistants, with head, you know, Dan Tony and others who have been through it. And so I think that'll be important for him. Um, but it was interesting when when he talked yesterday. He's he, when he talked about defense, he was like, "You got to hold guys accountable, and you know, you know, focus on it." But when he talked about assistance, he was like, well, I was an offensive point guard. And so, you know, it was a little uh, contrary to what he's brought in here to do. But right. um, uh, more than anything, there is uh, an unknown with him, much as there was with Terry Stotts, although there was a lot of focus on him being an offensive genius uh, at the time he was hired. But uh, I, I think it is a is a big unknown for me personally. Uh, I liked the little dig about Brooklyn. That was cute. But I said Brooklyn would win it if healthy. Oh, they now, not healthy. Milwaukee was looking pretty good until Giannis destroyed his leg last night. Yeah, that, that might be pretty bad too, right? Didn't it, there's some it reports that it might good. be ACL. That, uh, wouldn't that be amazing if the Hawks made it to the finals? <laughs> because good for Nate, and if so, yeah. talk about former Blazers head coaches. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, 
one, I think probably the most fascinating aspect to this for me is that I believe Lillard is really going to, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Like, I feel like Stotts raised Lillard and now Lillard has become this big giant star that's bigger than the franchise. And that someone like Billups can maybe get, get to him a little bit more about some details of playing the point guard position of being a leader that, I mean, Hey, yes. Blazer fans, Lillard can improve. He's not a God. And, and especially on defense and that Lillard will listen to what Billups has to say because of who he is and what he's accomplished as a player, not saying he wouldn't listen to Terry, but I think there's a, once he's reached star status, there's a different level of respect for Billups as a former player, Stotts didn't play in the NBA, as a champion, as a point guard, so that maybe Billups can get Lillard to even take another step in his evolution, especially on defense. I think the rest of the players will listen to him. I think he'll hold people accountable. You know, the thing about Larry Brown, Larry Brown helped Larry Brown held people accountable, except maybe for Iris, Allen Iverson when it came to practice. <laughs> but other than that, Larry Brown was known for holding people accountable. So I think there's going to be a fascinating dynamic working there. Um, he's talked a lot about <clears throat> more ball movement in the off in the offense, not ending up in situations where Dame or CJ must, you know, rescue the team with some kind of miraculous step back three, which to me, whenever that happens, a lot of people are like, oh my God, Dame's amazing. And I'm like, you're not going to win many games relying on that as, as your, your bailout situation because the offense becomes stagnant. So I do think there's going to be some interesting aspects about him as a coach. Now, one thing Neil said too is that, yes, he doesn't have experience, but they're betting on the um, basically upside. the upside and the untapped potential, I think he said, unrealized potential of what they believe Chauncey Billups brings as a coach. And let's face it too, man, the NBA has long been a league where you don't have to have experience as a coach to become a head coach. It's just that type of sport. We can all go all the way back to when Bill Russell was playing and coaching, which I still would love to see today. Some people say we saw that with LeBron in Cleveland, but I would love to see a player coach and play today. But it's one of those sports. I mean, Kerr, Nash is coaching. They've had success. Uh, you know, Phil Jackson was an assistant coach, never coached before, and then won six titles with the Bulls. I mean, you don't have to have a lot of coaching experience to be a coach in the NBA. I think playing point guard, as you said, is a huge um, bit of experience to, to be ready for that type of role. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens the next couple of years. And back to Lillard real quick. I've maintained this about Lillard. And even after the, the report came out the other day and fans are freaking out. And it's I, I want to give fans across the NBA credit, though, for cracking me up and keeping me sane during all this nonsense. Because every time something crazy would happen and people were like, Dame's going to leave, fans in every city were putting out Photoshop photos of Dame in their team's uniform and saying, come to Portland, come to Portland, which I found extremely amusing. But I would always respond to them with, Dame's not going anywhere, and he's not going anywhere right now. But they still have to contend. Like, if this year goes south and they come into next summer and they were a first-round exit and they weren't any better, then I think the clock really starts ticking on Dame's time in Portland. I don't think Chauncey saves that. I think Dame knows his career mortality is right in front of his face and he wants a chance to win the title. So they're going to have to make some type of roster moves, which we can get to if you're ready. Before we do do that. Uh, and I didn't know if we were going into that or, or I will say, 
I wish that they hadn't cut off the pre- the press conference when they did so that there could have been more basketball-related questions, you know, because yeah. I would like to know what Chauncey thinks and, and plans. There was a couple things, you know, he did mention that he wants Nurkic to involve him more <laughs> with the ball, which I thought was interesting to take Dame and CJ off the ball more. Um, and so that was an interesting note because we do know that Nurkic is a gifted passer, uh, and we do know that the Blazers need to take pressure off of Dame and CJ. And Nurkic and- was lobbying for that after the – after the game six loss, he wanted to be able and, to do that. And I think Terry, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a fault, but it was where things ended up is it was, there was a lot of trust in Dame to go do the team and, or to go get things done and not just bail out the team with a last second shot. Like, like, like has been discussed, but you know, Dame had a lot of freedom to call plays and, and to run offenses based upon how, how he sees things. And I think that's smart in a lot of ways because the players are on the court and they can see, right. especially a point guard, can see what, what doesn't work. It'll be interesting to see if Chauncey gives that long of a leash to Dame or if he takes over, you know, the majority of the play calling. It'll be interesting to see where that balance lies because it's going to be, you know, new for Chauncey, but this is going to be new for Dame too, who has, as you said, was raised up was raised with Terry, but also settled into a comfort zone with being able to have a lot of control. And so mm. um, I don't know how that will unfold. We, you didn't get the chance to ask Chauncey about that sort of stuff. So, so we'll see. And that's what training camp's for and all that, but that'll be uh, something worth keeping in mind too. Um, and, and, you know, presumably, and this was something that I think you wanted to talk about was, a guy with Chauncey's status and, and um, you know, cachet in the league, particularly with regard to players, does that help the Blazers uh, view league-wide as a free agent destination? Does, does having him as a coach and a leader, will that be more apt to lure a star either through trade or, or free agency? I don't know. Thanks Maybe. for bringing that. I forgot we had that in that – Section three. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I think I think that's a huge factor here, and I do think he's going to add some cachet in that regard because I do believe there's a lot of players around the league who either grew up watching him, maybe watching him win a title, even if they were super young. Um, they know who he is. They know what kind of guy he is around the league and been purported to be. And I do think when you have a former NBA champion point guard as your head coach, I think that's going to be attractive to – not everyone, but to some people. And it, it could help them in terms of either A, attracting a free agent, not that they have a lot of cap room, or B, if there's a star that could be traded, that that star might, you know, want to not only, well, I mean, if he's being traded, he's being traded. It's usually not within your control in that situation. But if you have only one or two years left on your contract where you say, yeah, I'll come to Portland and I'll resign and I'll stay here with Lillard and, and try and win a championship with him with Billups as our coach. So I, I, I can't imagine that that's not going to be sort of like a bonus to this entire thing. I would be shocked if it isn't. Uh, so it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out this offseason. Yeah, and and that kind of does shift us, I guess, a little bit to to the roster and, and maybe to Dame's happiness or unhappiness or whatever. I mean, Nurk came out <clears throat> recently and said he was told he wouldn't be traded. I've seen – Reports that CJ has told people he's not going to be involved in trades, and I don't believe any of that. I, I don't. I haven't I don't, seen the CJ one. Go ahead. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's there's probably a report about you not getting traded, Aaron. I mean, this is the <laughs> world we we're living not, in. We know that's not true. I'm on the block every day. <laughs> uh, but it's how can you 
as Neil Olshay and coming off the season you just came off, really not make any moves. And I, I think whatever conversations Dame and Neil have had uh, in recent days, weeks, whatever, surely Dame has gone to him to say, let's let's make some moves. You're talking about him having a one-year clock on needing to see improvement. Presumably there is an edict to make this roster better and to give me a team that can, can help me chase a championship. So I, I, I don't believe that anybody besides Dame is not uh, going to be available in a trade should the trade be made available to make the team better. So um, that sort of stuff is, is insane for me to hear. But I mean, as a fan, as as Damian Lillard, don't you want to see something done uh, to make this roster not just better around the edges, but better, like significantly better? Look, here's here's the funny thing about this. After the Western Conference final run, they believed they were going to have a chance to make a similar run the next year, and everything went downhill. You didn't have Nurkic, but they thought he was going to get him back, and then, you know, obviously COVID they hit, et cetera. blew up the but, team they had. Well, yeah, but they, but they still thought with with uh, Hood with with uh, Collins and then with um, Nurkic eventually coming back that they would have a pretty good look. But yes, you're, you're right; they did let a lot of people go, but they believed it. And then this year, you know, they get Covington, they get Jones, and they believe they can contend. So they went into the last two seasons believing they could contend. So that means Lillard believed that they could contend. Clearly, they did not. For you know, we can blame injuries if we want, but they didn't. And now, if this report from Yahoo is true that he has reservations about them being able to build a championship team around him. Well, that means he doesn't think the team they have now is a championship team, right? You wouldn't have reservations about them having a championship team if you felt you already had a championship team, correct? So that only serves to indicate that he's expecting moves to be made to make this team better. And so if you're going to do that, it's not going to be tiny. Like they're they're not going to Robert Covington and Derrick Jones their way to a title. Like those are you. You have to start at the top, and they have they have one all star. They have a, another borderline star, and they have another a center who's who knows what he is. You know, he's complaining about his role after losing to Denver, and the guy couldn't stay out of foul trouble mm-hmm. and missed most of the, half of the season and missed most of the prior season. I'm supposed to build the offense around you. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a bigger role. I'm just saying that we don't know what Nurkic yet what he is yet after still three years, really. Um, so to me, they're never going to win a title, contend for a title without, with a three guard lineup. I'll just say it right now. It's never happened in my lifetime. I don't believe it's going to happen tomorrow. I just don't now. Yeah. Neil made the comment, look what's happening in the NBA now. Well, yeah, what's happening in the NBA now is Atlanta has a chance to go to the finals and Phoenix has a chance to go to the finals because LeBron, AD, Harden, Kyrie, et cetera, et cetera, Kawhi, we're all injured. Some of the best players in the league were injured. That's opened the door for second-tier teams to get in. That doesn't mean it's going to happen next year. So, yes, they have to make a move. And I don't want to blow your head off because I know you hate hot takes and, 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 and you know, pontificating and all this kind of stuff. But I would go out and trade for Ben Simmons yesterday because I think <laughs> – you see the picture pop up. I think that – to me, that's the kind of thing Portland would have to seize. A young star, maybe there's, you know, the team's ready to move on and he's ready to move on, and you have a player that fits that team's need. That team needs a perimeter scorer who can get their own shot. And I believe wholeheartedly, okay, that Ben Simmons in Portland would beat the current Portland team. And McCollum 
in Philly would beat the Philly team with Ben Simmons. Like, I, I honestly believe this is an absolute win-win situation where both teams are better because of the fit, given what they already have. The Blazers have four guards, six foot two to six foot three, that can score. Who needs four guards who can score who are under six three or under? No one does. It's ridiculous. You know, that's like having four leadoff hitters who all hit 260 and get a 350 on base percentage, but none of them can hit for power. It doesn't do you any good as a baseball team. It wouldn't do you any good in this situation, which is why they can't contend. You give them a 6'11 guy who's an elite defender, who can pass, who can post up, who's amazing in transition, who led the NBA in assists for threes. Yes, he has offensive issues, but you don't need his offense because you have Dame, you'd have Powell, and you have Simons coming off the bench, and you have Nurkic. And you have Covington, who had a career-high 38% three-point shooting. So that's the type of deal to me that they could make that I think would get them in the conversation of being a serious contender. Yeah, that's assuming Philly wants to trade him. Of course. That's assuming – I mean, I've heard over the, the years the Joe, a lot of as – soon, As soon as I started this, Joe Freeman got his fireman hat on, got into his fire truck, came to the scene of the hot take fire, and was ready to just go <laughs> – So carry uh, on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's bring this back to reality. Uh, you have to assume that Philly wants to trade him, which uh, I don't know. Uh, you've oh, got to. I have heard through the years some some concerning issues with uh, related to character problems with work with ethic him. issues. But yeah. see, I think Dame, not just work. Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's I think Dame, personality. I, I, yeah, I think Dame fixes that. But go ahead. Also, he's the leader. You don't. Does it, do you want this? Does this guy want to be a point guard or does he want to go play down low? Because if he wants to be a point guard, he's not going to want to join a team with perhaps the best point guard in franchise history. But he one can of the do best both because, because I've heard that Lillard wants to play more off the ball if possible to stop. I mean, I think Lillard's tired of coming up the court. And oh, there's two guys in my face who, yeah. by the way, are 6'5 and 6'6. Six, six, mm-hmm. Right? Imagine if he can give it to a 6'11 guy who can play point at an elite level. And now he can run and sort of play the Allen Iverson role, the six foot two guard getting his shot because some elite level point guard can get him the rock. I mean, I, I think Dane would give up the ball enough to let Ben Simmons play part of the game as a point, the other part as a, a forward. Okay. And then the third thing is <laughs> the bit, and maybe the I'm all over this among that is you're making the assumption that Norman Powell wants to come back to Portland and that the Blazers are going to resign Norman Powell. Right. And that's a big if. That is so, an if. And, and that is an important if, I think. It is an if. Because you're going to need that in, in your scenario. But they have his bird rights. Well, sure, if, means- he, if they want to throw money at him and he doesn't, you know, I don't know what he wants. Does he want to be the man somewhere? Does he want to make the most money? Does he want to go to form, you know, some superstar team and be not, you know, third or fourth guy? I, I don't know what he wants. So You're right. nobody, I mean, he knows maybe, but uh, we don't know. So, um Again, a lot of ifs around this uh, dream scenario of yours. But I do – the larger point, though, without talking about specific names, is the the star caliber of player that you're talking about, which is what I think Dame does want to add to the team. And I think, obviously, fans are, are desperate for that. I have, over the years, staunchly said, you can win with Dame and CJ if you surround them with the right pieces. And – uh, I think we've seen that in the past with with a Western Conference run and other successful runs, but we've also seen that it takes the right set of circumstances to, to make it happen. And so, more once you get that guy, you also like I don't want to see a second unit with Cantor 
and Melo and, and Simon, like that trio, that, that doesn't work. Okay. We, we've seen that, but, you know, I think, I think Melo's probably time here is done. I, I, who knows where Cantor's going, but you've got, we need a better bench unit that, that complements the starters and you can mix and match guys more. Right. Don't go spend nine and a half million dollars on your guy, Derek Jones Jr. Who's not even going to be in the lineup and the rotation at the end of the year. I mean, that was a big swing and a miss uh, over the summer. So again, I want to see better roster construction with this team. And, and, you know, this is me using hindsight uh, as my, my guide too, because I really like the roster going into the season. Um, obviously, stupidly so. Um, no, I don't think, I don't think I it's, do I don't love a good Co- roster. Love, no, it's just not a championship roster. I love Covington. Um, you know, I, I think there is a lot of pieces to build. I still think the roster is really good. Um, but you need to add another star and you need to fill out that bench with, with guys that you, that can, that can be better on both ends and and be better cohesively than, than we've seen. Yeah. And I, I I might've said this during our last podcast, um, video cast, whatever we're calling this, uh, you know, for all the negativity out there towards OSA about the roster. And it's so funny when people are like, Oh, this roster sucks. This is garbage. And then you, you suggest a trade. We're not trading them for them. Our guys are great. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Right. But this team, despite losing Nurkic and McCullum for 60 games, finished tied with the eighth best record in basketball, mm-hmm. not 18th, not 28th. They were eighth. Now yeah. I don't think they're a title contender eight, but they were eighth. Now you could say, well, but would they have been eighth if the Lakers hadn't had injuries? Probably not. They had been eighth if other people didn't have injuries? Probably not. But the point is, they had injuries too, and they finished eighth. So yeah, there and, is and reason that, for hope. Yeah. A gr- uh, that's a great point. Like The, the roster was talented, and yeah. it was that good having played large parts, if not most of the season, without Nurkic and CJ. And when CJ came back, he wasn't 100% anyway. No. And, he and, was neither was, and, neither was, and neither was Nurkic. And then they right. got so, late March. So there's a lot right. of, you know, excuses or whatever you want to call them built in for, for how things unfolded too. I guess right. the larger point is that the roster is good and there is a right. lot of talented, but they do need to make, there needs to be some 100%. stuff done to take it to that next level. Well, Neil even said um, at the press conference following Stotts' departure that he needed to focus on how to make the bench, the second unit better defensively. Like offensively, mm-hmm. it was pretty good with Cantor and Melo and Simons, but defensively, it's just like you're putting three negative defenders out there together, although Simons came along um, a little bit defensively. But then that, and that sort of made it crazy that they weren't paying, playing Jones because he played defense. That was his thing, right? So why wouldn't you mix him? But anyway, whatever. That, that season's over. I do believe – I believe they're definitely going to be – like if they did nothing and they were healthy and they just got into the teens on defense, then you're, you're looking at a four or five seed in the, in the West. I mean, that potential to be that. That doesn't mean they're going to win the title, but that's to me, that's the floor. Like four or five seed, if you're healthy, is the floor right now for this team, in my estimation, if they fix the defense, which Billups is being brought in to do, and with a whole season with Powell and Nurkic and CJ, et cetera, et cetera. But they have to add a star, a legitimate star, I think, to actually get over the hump and win the title, assuming that the rest of the league doesn't have massive injuries like they do right now. So, And, and bring Powell back. Big question mark. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm counting him on the roster until he's yeah. gone. He's you know, uh, one guy that we haven't talked a lot about at all is, is Zach Collins, who, oh. you know, uh, he was a huge loss for them this year, quietly a huge loss. 
for that defense that that obviously was so poor. And oh, dude, uh, if he would have played last year, they would have been in the teens on defense. But anyway, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, you feel bad for him uh, having. To, uh, I'm sure everybody knows by now he had to have another uh, surgery on his ankle yesterday. Who knows how long his rehab's back? He's going to be a free agent. Um, it just it's it sucks for a dude <laughs> like him. He's a, he's a really good guy. Works his tail off. Um, and it's, it's a big, big setback. Uh, but I, I texted him a little bit yesterday and Did you? he's in pretty, yeah, he's in pretty good spirits. I mean, he's motivated. He said he's going to come back and, you know, work stronger to get back. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how, how that comes and, and, you know, does he factor into the Blazers plans that they try to bring him back on a, on a, you know, a, a, a minimum deal to see him move on. So, uh, but you know, just bring up that that's another, you know, no, yeah, thing. that's, I, I know we're, we're supposed to be, you know, objective and partial journalists, but things like that, just, it's like, it, it's, it's so unfortunate. It's so unfair. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He, he, he basically lost two seasons already. Now this originally was supposed to be a four to five month injury, which is why he was supposed to come back in January after the surgery at the bubble in September. <clears throat> following injuring it, I think it gets Memphis in the playing game. Um, so we were supposed to be back in, Janu- in January. So we had a revision, his- revision, not history, <laughs> revision surgery. So I would assume that was another four or five months. And then if he's having another one, that's another four or five months. So if all goes well, I would uh, I guess he could be back to action in November, December. Um, so let's hope he does. Do you think the Blazers in any way give him the qualifying offer? at 7.4 knowing that he won't it makes him a restricted free agent he won't receive any big offers from anywhere else you bring him in and you just hope for one more year no no not not a team with the financial constraints that the blazers have i mean i've I've been wrong before but it doesn't make sense he he would he would jump at the chance to get seven and a half million dollars for free while not you know i i don't that doesn't mean that they won't bring it back i think that they would then bring him back on like a minimum deal because they're as likely as any other team to know who he is and to trust him and, and to right. want to, I mean, they've come this far. Um, but it doesn't make sense from a, from a team standpoint to give a guy seven and a half million when perhaps you can bring him back on a minimum deal. Um, so yeah, I, I would be, I would be very surprised if, if they qualified him at this point. Thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. As we dive into the offseason, we have the NBA draft coming up. We have the opening of free agency coming up. And of course, there could be some trades brewing in the future for the Blazers. So be sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode of the Blazer Focus podcast.